Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways. I'm your host, Rob Goodman, and I'm so excited you're tuning in today. Making Ways is all about the unexpected paths to a creative career. We'll talk to people of all walks about their long and winding journey to success. Artists, authors, marketers, entrepreneurs, photographers, restaurateurs, about the steps they took to turn a passion into a profession. I'm an artist and marketer, and my road to where I am today and launching Making Ways has been just as winding as some of our guests. I've been an artist my whole life, and my passion for music got me into marketing at Sony Music. I then went on to do digital marketing at Simon & Schuster and ultimately at Google. And nowadays, I run my own marketing company called Openverse, and I help smaller companies tell their stories and connect with people who will love what they're doing. I want to thank our sponsor, General Assembly. General Assembly is an incredible organization all about giving you the tools you need to pursue a career that you'll love. They have a campus here in San Francisco and actually campuses all across the globe where you can take courses in digital marketing and design and a ton of different creative professions. And we've got a really special offer for Making Ways listeners. Any workshop or class with General Assembly, you can get 15% off. Just type in Making Ways at the end in checkout and you'll get that discount. I'm really excited about our guest today. James Tucker is a letterpress printer and an artist, and he's got his own shop in San Francisco called The Aesthetic Union. James has a really interesting background. He grew up on a Christmas tree farm in New Jersey, and he had a lot of trouble in school and ultimately, uh, through vocational school, figured out that uh, drawing and art and design was something that he really was good at and wanted to make a career out of. And James even lived on a boat for some time, and he's going to tell us about that. Check out the conversation. We talk a lot about what the Aesthetic Union does. We talk about what letterpress printing is and and how it's created. And we really delve into what makes James who he is and the things that he's passionate about. I hope you'll get a great sense of what it's like to be a professional printmaker and artist and have your own shop. So let's get to the show. James, so happy to have you here. Welcome. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Well, why don't we start off and um, talk about the way I discovered uh, you with your shop, The Aesthetic Union. Tell me about what you guys do there. So The Aesthetic Union is um, we're a print shop, primarily. Uh, we have a retail component in the front, and uh, we do a lot of things there. Uh, kind of the main things we're doing is uh, selling creative supplies to help people make and... Um, print make and, and letter and do all that good stuff. We have, we have a little gallery where we show the artists and residencies that we make out of there. So I'll team up with an artist and work as the master printer and um, produce a limited edition of their works and we'll sell it there. And we also do, uh, use the presses as a custom print shop too. So designers come to us uh, with a, a lot of different things. I don't take all designs uh, just because we have other means of, of making money. So it's a little bit of education too, the component of the aesthetic union. Like yeah. when you work with artists, mm-hmm. you're educating them about the print process and yeah. vice versa? Yeah. So when I'm working with artists, I'm educating them about the print process and, and letterpress in particular. So we just, we do relief printing there uh, only. And um, a lot of people know about screen printing, but might not know about letterpress. Well, can you explain the process of letterpress. 
So back in about uh, 1500s, this guy uh, Gutenberg invented what is now the first letterpress machine. So letterpress involves a form of relief printing that uses a press that is a letterpress. Um, and when we talk about letterpress, it's just produced on these letterpress machines. Um, they, they were primarily invented to reproduce books and small illustrations. It was used as the main form of printing all the way up until 1970, 1980. Then it was was supplanted by offset printing and now digital printing. You can do great things with them as well, but you just don't have the, you don't have the form of indentation you do with letterpress and you don't have the the beauty when something um, actually um, runs through the hands of the printer. And what about the aspect you mentioned that with the artists you're working with, you're trying to kind of revolutionize it. You're trying to, you're trying to advance it. Yeah. How how does that work? You know, it's always got to be reinvented because if we just keep making art books, we just keep making wedding invitations that look the same, letterpress is going to die again. Why don't we explore large expanses of color? Um, That hasn't been really done except for a few people. Um, Or why don't we... Why don't we explore the concept of printing in itself? Why don't we explore um, reproduction and like why why these prints uh, printing presses were made to duplicate things? You know, um, I'm working on some conceptual art right now that is uh, taking multiple prints that are coming off the press in sequence and showing ink running out, showing how the uh, press can um, actually grab two, three pieces of paper at a time and actually mounting them um, in sequence so people can actually see that and experience the press run in front of them on a single piece of paper, a larger sheet of paper. So part of the completed artwork is about experiencing the process. Right, yeah. And I haven't seen that done at all. You said you grew up in New Jersey. What brought you out to San Francisco in the first place? I grew up in New Jersey on the shore and I didn't really fit into anything happening there. Um, I knew of some art. I kind of worked, I worked as a lifeguard, worked around boats and marinas growing up. Um, I thought I was going to go into the Coast Guard um, pretty much from when I got into high school, got into public high school. Um, So you loved the water and being out in the sea. It was kind of what I was good at. And, um, you know, I wasn't really good at sports in general or and I didn't really get good grades either I didn't realize that I was not I was not not good at learning I was just not being taught like the way my mind wants to be taught so I was like well I could go to the Coast Guard you know I don't want to go in the Navy you know I don't want to blow up things I want to, I want to save people I like lifeguarding and like being a Boy Scout and stuff so so I was gonna. I was. I was handing my papers into the Coast Guard, and then uh, in this high, is in high school. In high school, yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't think I was gonna go to college, and I remember in high school, and God, I think it was my junior year, sophomore year, nine eleven happened, and uh, being on the Jersey Shore, you just kind of you saw it. You know, you saw the smoke, you saw the buildings. You just like it was real. Like, you know, people commute to New York from where I was living, so. Um, and then I found out that uh, the Coast Guard, you could just you can go overseas. It's not about just saving people. It's about protecting our ships, you know, in a in a war that was started that I didn't believe in 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 high school. So um, I didn't want to do that. You know, I I I was always good at drawing. Um, 
I just didn't realize there was actually a future in it. And um, did you get encouraged when you were a kid around drawing, or is it more like, okay, James is doing that, that's cool. Now come out and work on the boats and, and yeah, yeah. You know, I, I really grew up um, with my grandparents. Um, my mom and dad were around, but they were they were always working. And um, so I grew up on my grandparents' Christmas tree farm, which was like six acres of Christmas trees. And then around there um, was woods. And where in New Jersey is this? That's Homedale, New Jersey. Okay. Um, yeah, the Christmas tree farm is still there. My grandmother lives on there. But she really encouraged me to walk in the woods, really get to know the land, and but draw it, you know, draw everything. And in that house, my mom's paintings from when she was in high school were kind of around. And so I knew my mom could draw, and I was always drawing. Um, and then, so my guidance counselor met with him in in high school, and I said, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do this Coast Guard thing anymore. Like, what can I do? You know, I'm like stuck. And he's like, well, there's actually vocational schools you can go to uh, <laughs> for art. Like, you can, there's vocational schools for graphic design. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. So, you know, half a Half a day I would go to the vocational school and half a day I would go back to normal high school. And it was um, it was great. They taught me math and science there. I finally got A's. You know, wow. they, they taught me in uh, they taught me graphic design really from scratch. I mean, I had a teacher that would teach us paste ups um, before we got on the computer at all. You know, it was six months of of cutting things out by hand and using rubber cement to paste up stuff. Wow. Just using rapidographs to draw lines. A paste-up being kind of like uh, like by hand designing something. By hand designing something. Yeah. So that was instilled in, in me like when I first started, which was great. You know, it was really interesting. Uh, so literally I went from like wanting to go into one kind of boot camp into another. Right. You know? But it sounds like also the fact that you had that guidance from that counselor in high school was really instrumental in you finding this path that mm -hmm. all of a sudden oh i can be taught in a new way yeah i can be in this environment where learning is is good yeah and you know it's 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 remarkable that that county in new jersey monmouth county actually has these public programs to help kids up get placed in in kind of a pre-college uh stream which is awesome you know i my family didn't have a lot of money growing up my my dad was a butcher and my mom did nails you know so college was not really on the table for me, other than if I got a scholarship. And if I didn't get good, good grades in high school, like that's out of the question. So right. having this public vocational school program just put me in the right track and um, it really prepared my portfolio to be reviewed by, by colleges and um, put me in a place that I could actually go somewhere. Hey guys, I want to tell you about our sponsor, General Assembly. General Assembly is all about giving you the tools you need to pursue a career that you'll love. They've got a campus here in San Francisco and actually campuses all across the country and even across the globe. They offer so many continuing education courses. Whether you're at a job now and you want to take classes on the nights and weekends, or you're in between jobs and you really want to ramp up your skills to dive into something new. And we've got a special offer for listeners of the Making Ways podcast. If you're interested in taking a class or a workshop at General Assembly, you can use the offer code MAKINGWAYS at checkout and you'll get 15% off. 
Just go to their website, it's General Assembly, and just put a dot before the L-Y in Assembly, and you'll go right there. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the show. So you wrapped up high school having mm-hmm. done half and half at the vocational school and half yeah. in, the, in the public school. And mm-hmm. then what happened in terms of getting into art school and where did you ultimately end yeah. up going? That's, a, that's an interesting story too. Like um, I, uh, I went to these portfolio days that, that colleges have where you bring your portfolio in and there's you know, 10 or 12 colleges there and you sit between you know, three professors and they say, oh, it's good, you need to work on this, you need to work on that. Everyone I brought my stuff to, they were just like, here's an application, like, come in, which is awesome. You wow. Know? Like, everyone, everyone, everyone was re- receptive. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Which was great. You know, especially I think, given you had such a hard time in high school, it must have been such a great payoff to be like, I found my lane. It was cool. You know, it was, it was growing up, um, you know, Christmas tree farm and kind of like in a barn basically. And then like going down to, uh, Corcoran College of Art and Design down in DC for this portfolio day and just be surrounded by the mall and like DC and like and just being like whoa I can actually like improve my social status by just like going somewhere and like being surrounded by things this is very inspiring you know I think the only the only college that didn't like accept me on the spot was like Cooper Union where, where they were like well you got to take a math class but your artwork's good enough to get in so like wow it was awesome that's know? amazing that's great um, so did you take the Did you take the test for? You, you know, my parents really wanted me to because it was free. Like Cooper, Cooper yeah. was free. It's also like what the top art school in the country. Yeah, like RISD maybe. A couple yeah, others. It was cool. So I mean, but it was also New York, and like I was like, well, it's pretty close to right where I grew up. I don't feel like I was advancing. So I applied to a couple schools, um, and you know, my twenty or 19 year old South at the time, I was like, I'm going down to Florida. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was strange, you know. Um, it how, was, how did- It was warm. <laughs> you were just like, this seems exotic, different, yeah. warm, yeah. Florida. It was it was the way to go. I see your your Tampa uh, mug there. Um, yeah, my my brother lives in Tampa. Oh, now, cool. did you go to Ringling School of yeah. Art and Design? Yeah. My oldest brother went there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Man. <laughs> It's incredible. So, I've, a, a few years uh, uh, before you. Yeah. He's older. But um, that's, I, I got in at a. In Sarasota. In Sarasota, yeah. yeah. So I flew down there and um, spent my freshman and sophomore year down there. And it was, you know, it was good. It, it, it introduced me a lot of things. I, I actually fought with the administration a lot because they didn't put a lot of money into graphic design and, and, and printmaking. And that's kind of where I started fine, fine arts. Um, and kind of was, I felt like my mind was more, um, um, it, it correlated more with kind of the fire, fine art realm. So I got into sculpture, I got into printmaking. I was still on that track of graphic design and took a lot of core classes for graphic design. I, I basically, we had something called the sophomore review um, at the end of, or the middle of sophomore year. And basically I just put up a, uh, a, a letter on the wall that said, these are my demands. They're not being met. I'm paying, you know, this much to go to school. Fuck you. <laughs> Your sophomore review was a, was, was a, a review protest. for the school. <laughs> yeah. Re- review for them. Right. Yeah. And you said at the end I'm transferring. Yeah. So I transferred up to Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore 
Wow. Um, it was it was one of the best schools you could go to for graphic design and printmaking. They gave me a scholarship. I just really got um, planted in the printmaking scene, and I worked as a shop tech, and yeah, it was it was just so cool. I I had a I mean I forget his name. I had a screen printing teacher uh, first semester of my junior year, and he brought in these pamphlets of Hatch Hatch of Print. And I was like, what is this? He's like, it's letterpress. We have a letterpress room downstairs. And I was like, whoa, okay. I'm going down there. Met. Immediately you saw and you're like, this is it. Yeah, I was like, this is this is everything I worked for in vocational school, but but my hands are, um, um, but there's a lot of handwork in this. This is, this is, this is like old school graphic design. And then I started realizing that you could actually make money after after school with this. Not a lot, but like my mind started working, you know, like, and then I I finally thought that it would be great to just be in a small town and have a, a printmaking shop, you know? Um, didn't realize I was gonna be doing <laughs> to what I'm doing now, but- um, But in college you had that thought. Yeah, yeah. So I, I graduated uh, with a printmaking degree and, started realizing that I needed to get out of Baltimore and, and New Jersey to really like progress my, my career. I wanted to be on the West Coast. Uh, I had a friend, a good friend in college that moved out here um, in San Francisco, like maybe a semester or a year before. I moved out there and she's like, you can sleep on my couch you know, for a month and find yourself a job and so come on out. So. I packed my duffel bag, my old, my grandfather's old army duffel, and nice. Like had, I think it was like a thousand dollars, and came out here. You were ready to go for it. I pretty much I emailed every print shop in San Francisco, and I think I went to like Design Sponge or like uh, Briar Press, which is a letterpress um, website, and just looked looked at the classifieds for like San Francisco, and just show me all the letterpress places in San Francisco. And I emailed everyone. And I was like, "Do you need some free help? I just want to learn." Still, you know, I knew I, I knew I uh, needed business kind of like know-how, and I also wanted to know how to print better. And so, this this woman down on Pier seventy was like, "Yeah, when you get here, just just let me know. We can I can always use some help folding cards." And she just works alone. She still does. Wow. And uh, Austin, Kim Austin, and um, she's still down there printing. And uh, I got here, met her. I was just working for like one day a week. And I was walking past uh, 16th and Harrison. My friend lived in the mission. I was just walking past 16th and Harrison, probably going to Safeway or something. And I peered inside this big warehouse and noticed all these old machines that looked like letterpress machines, but not really. I went in, I was like, what do you do here? And they were like, we're bookbinders. You need some help? And right. you, you, left, uh, you left the pier for, for this role? Well, I left, um, I left, uh, oh, Pier 70, well, I, Kim Austin, Austin Press, I, I still work, I worked on the weekends for her. Okay. Work, you know, on Monday through Friday at the, the printmaking show, or the book bindery. Yep. Which was, uh, just, cl it just closed last year, Taurus Book Bindery on 16th and Harrison. Oh, wow. Um, and the guy who owns it, um, or owned it now runs a, an American book bindery museum on Folsom and 4th Street. The woman who I replaced, Lauren, she was working at this place, Hello Lucky, which was a wedding invitation uh, printer. And they're still, they still um, make greeting cards, but they have someone else print them. 
they were down on Howard Street in Selma, and uh, she was leaving to Colorado, and she's like, hey, you want my job again? <laughs> I was like, yeah, love it. Wow. That's, that was my goal, you know? Right. So then I got a job at Hello Lucky and um, really learned how to be a really good printer. And also kind of business-wise, too, I learned how to run a smooth operation. It's, it was pretty much like these lessons I learned as a kid. Like when I was like surfing as a kid or like working at the marina, I'd watch like what the old guys were doing or the surfers and like just watching them how, the, how they approached the wave or how this guy like painted on the, the whole paint. I never asked anyone. I just kind of copied them. And then I realized that that was working. So, you know, from, from that point of view, I, I started copying like the salespeople and I started running like the aesthetic union out of Hello Lucky after hours. So just printing friends business cards. Uh, um, and then one, one business card led to another. And I, I met uh, a designer and he gave me a lot of jobs. So I was making like, I was making bank because I was not spending anything. Right. <laughs> you know, I was... Did they know what you were doing? Yeah, oh, yeah. Lucky, I yeah. think it was in my contract that like, you could work after hours on That's your own great. stuff. So that was cool. So you had a you had a day job and then you were basically building up your, yeah. your business, though there was relations between both of them. Yeah. yeah, it was good. I mean, eventually I was, I was laid off slash fired from Hello Lucky. Um, they were kind of downsizing and... Uh, was the timing right for you in, in that firing? Or were you kind of like, uh, I'm not it quite was, ready to... Uh... It was weird. It was kind of like, what was going on in my life at that time? I was So all this time, I, I was still kind of drawn to the water, right? I love San Francisco. I loved, I loved living here because you're surrounded by water on three sides. So this, is, this was great. Um, and when I started working for Hello Lucky, I was kind of like... I couldn't sleep on the weekends. I was like really, or I couldn't sleep at night. I was just not like active enough. Mm. So I was walking through Fisherman's Wharf and found uh, the Maritime Museum and saw a big banner that was like, volunteers needed. I was like, I want to volunteer. I want to learn. That was like my dream. I always wanted to learn how to sail a tall ship. You know, wow. that was cool. Yeah. And it, was, it made sense, kind of like how letterpress ma makes sense. It was like real mechanical, mm -hmm. you know? So... I started just painting uh, like benches and boats on the weekends at the Maritime Museum. And um, I think the thing that set me apart was I had a lot of common sense, you know? <laughs> so they immediately like, oh, this guy's not gonna run his hand through a block and tackle. <laughs> All right, we're put him on a boat. <laughs> so um, I started deckhand um, uh, 80 foot schooner and um, started um, doing some education programs with fifth and sixth graders on Alma, which is this boat from 1891. Started doing some shipwright stuff. And so I loved that life. You know, I really, I really had a good balance. You know, I was working in Soma on this like old 1950s letterpress. I would, sometimes I'd work half a day there and work half a day at the pier, hop on the cable car and then go to the Maritime Museum. <laughs> I felt like I was living this like anachronistic lifestyle. Right. With all the benefits of like living in 2000 and I think it was 12 at the time. And yeah. It was great. So um, a couple of months before I was laid off at Hello Lucky, I was kind of like getting, I was getting antsy. You know, I was thinking I was 28. And um, I bought I bought this old fishing boat from 1926. Uh, really wanted to live on a boat. And I felt like if I didn't live on a boat now, I was never going to do it. Um, so I bought this old boat. Um and 
and uh, <laughs> broke up my girlfriend, and I just moved in, and it was just I was living at Pier Thirty Nine at the time, which it's tricky to live on your boat in the bay. No one wants you to really do it. So it I, sounds uh, like a hard. It's a hard life. Thing. Yeah, it's a hard life. Yeah, it basically it's like being semi homeless because you. You do have a roof over your head, but you're living in a cabin. It's very cold. And it's, I mean, it's romantic when you live on a boat, right? Right. Well, tent. is that why you wanted to do it because of the romance of it? Or no, you wanted to do it to see how you could minimize your life, how you could just survive a couple on a boat? of things. Yeah. I wanted to have that story when I was getting old. You know, if I have kids or whatever, I want to tell that story. And there is that romance to it. But I also wanted to test myself. I wanted to see how I could do this. And the things that I did with that boat, I probably, I mean, I almost sunk it between Angel Island and in Raccoon Straits one time. Like wow. there's some crazy stuff that I probably should have done. Um, I had the boat, I was living real cheaply, you know, really just paring everything down. And, um, and um, it was about this time that Heath Ceramics called me up and um, I had like a tumbler of all the stuff I was doing at Hell Lucky for, for the aesthetic union after hours. Wow. And so they were kind of like, hey, you still printing? Like, we have a space, you might want to have a print shop in it. Like, you might be, you might come come visit. And by that time, I had, I had a bunch of money in my, my account because I was just saving all the stuff up from being a printer. And I was like, yeah, I could do this, okay, so. Um, and it's like, in the space you're in now? It's in the space I am now, okay. yeah, but it looked, it looked pretty different. Like, okay. like I didn't have that many presses and I didn't have like a really good retail uh, selection because I never worked retail before. So I didn't know really how to put it together. So it was in this, it was in this factory that used to be a laundry factory when I first moved here, really dingy building and uh, heat ceramics bought it in 2012. And um, they were over in Sausalito since the forties, like making plates. I knew, knew about them there, but I didn't know they actually made like another factory in the city to actually make tiles because it's a completely different process than making uh, slip-casted ceramics um, that they're known for. So they they leased this building for like 100 years or something from this other company and they built this factory out and actually had studios um, on the Florida street side and also on the Alabama street side. And the Alabama street side is all street level stuff. Um, so they wanted people that wanted to have a retail presence. So within the rules, I could have like 20% of my space like retail and the rest has to be production. I'm just making stuff. Yeah, owning your own shop sounds like a very romantic and kind of, uh, you know, this, this great feat that I think a lot of artists and business people uh, aspire to. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure it's a ton of hard work and labor intensive and stressful nights. So I'm curious, mm -hmm. you had this idea back in college. Now that you're living it, are you like, oh, didn't know it was going to be like that? Well, yeah, it's like you, you always get people that say, if I knew what I knew now, would I, would I have done it? <laughs> I would have still, you know, like there was, there was a point where I was growing up and my dad really wanted to start his own like meat meat market right and he was like i'm, I'm gonna do it i'm gonna name it j and j market my brother's justin so like you know james and justin and uh yeah he just never did it you know and like i was like you know i'm gonna do that i'm not gonna be held back by 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 myself or by other people you know and i didn't want to have i didn't want to go grow old and like 
have regrets basically. Yep. Um, so, you know, having, having your own shop is, it's stressful, but you know, what's not stressful? Uh, you know, I think Flaubert said, um, ponds don't have any storms, right? Like if you're stagnant, there's no drama. Right. Right. But move. Like what's the point of life if you're not moving? Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, James, this has been a wonderful conversation. Really appreciate your time and uh, learned a ton. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much to James for your openness and for sharing all your stories with us. I hope you all learned a bit about what letterpress is, what it means to have your own shop, and a bit about James's journey of discovering something that he absolutely loves to do and realizing that he can make a living from it. And maybe you'll be as inspired to take an adventure like James did with living on a boat for some time. If you want to learn more about James Tucker and the Aesthetic Union, definitely check out theaestheticunion.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, General Assembly. General Assembly is a fantastic continuing education organization with campuses all around the globe. And be sure to type in the offer code MAKINGWAYS for 15% off any class or workshop from General Assembly's website, which is just General Assembly in the browser, and then put a dot before the LY, and you'll go right there. A big thanks to friends and family and supporters who have been so kind in their feedback and love and support since we launched Making Ways last week. I can't tell you what it means to me, and I thank you all from the bottom of my heart. And if you're enjoying Making Ways, you can head over to the iTunes store and leave a review. It's a really great way for people to get turned on to the show and discover it. Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. Our music is by The Sandworms, and we've got some music by Jim Heffernan in the mix, too. You can learn more about me and the show and see original illustrations and articles that go along with each episode at makingways.co. And you can follow us on Twitter at making underscore ways. So reach out and say hi. I'd love to hear from you. Hope you all have a great week. Take care.